0: The last day of pajama football. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. No, the pads were not worn on Monday. Still plenty to talk about, though. Colt McCoy says the offense is going through growing pains. Kyler Murray, very honest about his rehab. But first, yeah, we need a mustache update. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 657, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2.
0: Buddha Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable.
1: Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
0: He's at the 10, half the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow!
1: <laughs> Here's Craig Grealoux.
0: So we found the one player, and maybe there is a second player, but the le- first legit player that I was present when the words, I like it, were uttered to Paul Calvisi with respects to the mustache that is still visible here as we begin the first full week of Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. And that one individual, inside linebacker Josh Woods, says, Paul, keep it. Craig, if you're scoring at home
1: let's keep it accurate here okay um Aaron Brewer, long snapper extraordinaire. He's in favor of it. He's a double thumbs up. But then
0: I thought he ripped you and said, yeah. yeah."
1: I think he's in favor of it because he wants me to keep it. (laughs) So that just means more mockery and shame from him. Okay, he can foist upon me. Uh, Although DJ Humphries uh, did give me a shout out. He said, Paulie P, all business with the mustache. So I'm not sure if that was a a vote of endorsement (laughs) or a, a ridicule. I'm not exactly sure on that. Um. Either way, you know, let's just – you know, I don't want to go all Aaron Rodgers here. You know, keep my mustache out of your coach's mouth or anything. But, you know, it's – so far, it's a training camp tradition. I'm not really sure why. Uh, I've kept it so far. But uh, according to the wife, uh, its days are numbered. Let's just put it that way. The real decision maker in this process.
0: Well, let's be honest. I mean, we are still technically – in the month of July, so it is still the summer. We haven't rolled over into August yet. It's true. Twenty-four hours from now, it will be August, so you do have some time to play with.
1: That is true. The mustache—can it? What will it look like in pads? You know, we don't know. I mean, right now, you know, Pajama Ball—the mustache has made the cut. But once we get full contact, full padded football, guess what? I think it's going to lag behind him. It might be one of the initial wave of cuts in this camp.
0: By the way, as we speak here, Monday, July 31st, yes, the earliest day permitted that the Arizona Cardinals could have been in pads, yet we walk out there at State Farm Stadium and what do we see? We do not see pads. One more day of pajama ball, in the words of head coach Jonathan Gannon. The pads will come on Tuesday, August First, we had a chance to catch up with Josh Woods for the Red Sea Report, which will air, that interview will air on Tuesday. But you can get a sense, Paul, that these, it's not just the coaches. The players are anxious to kind of see what they're made of, what their teammates are made of, and that's when the pads come on. Because you don't know. You you truly don't know yet what
1: some of these players are all about. How can you know whether an offensive lineman is a true candidate to make this team? An undrafted rookie, a defensive lineman. You know whether he's got a shot at, at a rotation spot. You don't know an inside linebacker like Josh Woods. Look, if you can't, as JG, I like his good football term. If you can't shock and shed, you know, get and get to the ball, then you're worthless. You can look great, flowing sideline to sideline in shorts. What do you look like when you have a 330-pound guard? who's pulling to knock you on your, on your rear before you get to the ball carrier. So uh, you're going to find out a lot. We see it in O-line, D-line all the time. Yeah, that's the first thing I cannot wait for. And, yeah, I had to pump my brakes like everyone else. I thought it was going to be today, the full pads. In fact, I even sent out a tweet flashing back to the Will Hernandez against J.J. Watt heavyweight tilt from last year, only to learn about an hour later, no, Calvesi. The first full padded practice is tomorrow. So, okay, if you want to get ready, at Paul Calvisi, the Twitter account, you can see the aftermath of that heavyweight fight from last year. Although I'm very curious what the potential is for a fight this time around after what we witnessed on Back Together Saturday.
0: Yeah, that was interesting because we hear what coaches have to say and then, okay, do they live up to what they say? Do you, do you practice what you preach? And I think we saw that, yes, Jonathan Gannon does practice what he preaches. The no fighting allowed, non-negotiable is what JG said. All right, okay, well, Sure. But what happens if there is a fight, a skirmish? Well, there was one. You mentioned it on Saturday. It was during red zone work, offensive line, defensive line, a little bit more physical, a little bit more intense. Again, still no pads, but there was an altercation. didn't quite see, from my vantage point, if punches were thrown. I think it was more pushing and shoving, but enough that – John, Jonathan- there, there was one over the top haymaker. Was there one? Okay. I, I, I think eye. it was
1: L.J. Collier who came over the top with a haymaker. Now, he, he didn't – land it because there were guys in between him, okay, but there was an attempt to come over the top with a big old swim
0: move of sorts. Good thing he didn't land it. It was offensive lineman Dennis Daly and defensive lineman LJ Collier. James Conner tried to calm Dennis down a little bit, but they did not finish practice. Jonathan Gannon came over, had brief words with each individually, and then you see 71... Daily 91 Collier make that long walk to the other side of the field, down the ramp, into the locker room, never to be seen again in practice. You know, a side
1: note on that, as they're walking off, going to an empty locker room, I'm saying to the guy next to me, they might want to send a third person in there as an intermediary. Because what happens if those two guys get into an empty locker room and there's still a rootin' and a tootin' and, and a stallman, But uh, from all indications, that did not happen. And you know what? That long walk of shame, if you will, to the far side of the field and down the ramp and then all the way down to the Cardinals locker room, I'm guessing those two guys are thinking to themselves, I'm losing valuable reps. Can't make the club from the tub. The old saying for guys who are injured during training camp, you got to do everything you can to get out in that field and prove yourself in the eyes in front of the eyes of the decision makers. So yeah if you're LJ Collier and Dennis Daly, uh, guess what you lost the latter part of that practice and it sent a message not only did it fulfill the words of Jonathan Gannon quote non-negotiable because you know, look and I've had this argument with Wolf, great okay Wolf obviously likes it. he thinks there's a place for fighting. it's part of the physicality of the game. Here's where I differ with Wolf, and we almost get into a fight. (laughs) Because if you do have a fight in a game, it costs you 15 yards. And that 15 yards might give the other team a first down in the case of an LJ Collar. If he's the one who gets flagged up, because he's the one from what I remember and what I could tell was throwing the punch, it's always the second guy in. It's always the guy, look, what did – What did uh, Robert Sala tell the New York Jets recently? He said, you know what, fighting, okay, if you're pushing and shoving between the neck and the waist, okay, but if you throw a punch, the official is apt to throw a flag. And if that extends a drive, gives the team a first down and a third down stop, we saw that at times last year, not necessarily via fighting. How many times did you see a Cardinals team that was top three in penalties incurred give the other, sustain a drive, because it's something you did, you stopped them, then not only is that a first down, it's just so deflating, it's so demoralizing. Instead of the offense leaving the field and you going over to get a Gatorade, you're out there playing at least three more snaps. So uh, I get it. And once again, that's why I differ with Wolf In a league where little things are big things, something like that, getting flagged up for a fight – Uh, guess what
0: can cost you a game ultimately well even worse than the yards okay what if you do strike in the helmet all right now all of a sudden perhaps you've broken something that costs you games and just the immediate loss if you get ejected now you're down a starter or key reserve and that hurts your team goes back to what the head coach keeps saying team first Individual second, that's why it is non-negotiable, even if it is just a couple of pushing and shoving. No, no, no. Your teammates control your temper. Yeah. If you're dressing three inside linebackers and you
1: get thrown out on game day, yeah. you're an integral part of all the special teams. Like, let's say just Josh Woods. Just use as him as an example. He's your backup inside linebacker on game day. He's on every single special team. He gets thrown out of the game. Now Jeff Rogers is scrambling, okay, wait a minute. I got to fill four spots on four different special teams, and that guy's not nearly as adept or as seasoned at that spot. He might be a liability, and that special teams gaffe can cost you a game. So I get the policy of a Jonathan Cannon. Uh, but doesn't mean the tempers won't flare. Guys are trying to earn a living, trying to earn a spot in this, on this roster. And I truly think, Craig, and a number of players have confirmed this, there is a vibe that things really are wide open that there are very few made men on this roster, both because you have new decision-makers and guess what? Um, There's been a lot of turnover. Look at the D-line room. How do you truly distinguish? Look at the cornerback room after Marco Wilson. What exactly is the pecking order? You don't know. And so the tight ends after a Trey McBride and a Jeff Swain. So there's there's a lot of competition, unlike – A lot of camps with a lot of teams where they're just going to maybe fill the last two or three roster spots. That is not the case with the Arizona Cardinals 2023.
0: That was the highlight, the skirmish between Daly and Collier on Saturday. Some other things that stood out on back together Saturday. It was not a good day for the quarterbacks all totaled. Colt McCoy got picked off a couple of different times that I saw. Marco Wilson, Chris Barnes off a deflection. McCoy speaking Monday post-practice, asked about the offense, quote, we're going through some growing pains, end quote. And you would expect that, especially when it's a brand new system, and even for Colt, someone who's been in the league a long, long time. Different terminology. We heard from Drew Petzing earlier the footwork that he wants these quarterbacks to learn and use, even if you are a veteran. You're being asked to do different things, subtle things, but it still maybe knocks you off a little bit, which you're typically used to doing, and you've got to retrain your brain a little bit, and that's why it's here in late July, early August, and we've got some time before now and the start of the regular season. So the Cardinals
1: are going to Minnesota for joint practices later in August, and Kevin O'Connell was mic'd up on NFL Network Saturday, back together Saturday. He was talking, Kirk Cousins was talking, just about how much farther along they are in year two of the system. It was a radical change in Minnesota. Now the Vikings had a heck of a year. They made the playoffs. Obviously, they lost to Giants in, in round one. They w- they went 11-0 and in one possession games. Just remarkable. But the point I'm making here is, in retrospect, they talked about all the growing pains of installing a brand-new system with a brand-new staff, totally different scheme. So you know what? As much as the Cardinals are going to try and put a good face on things and be positive about everything, the reality is exactly what Colt McCoy said. There are going to be some groin pains. There are going to be guys getting used to this system. It's completely different from what Cliff Kingsbury ran, from the spread to more of a straight-ahead power attack. Um, and, and you know what? With that in mind, I think they would be well served if, if they can settle on a starting offensive line sooner than later. If they can settle on, okay, who exactly is going to be the starting X receiver? Who, ex- How is this tight end rotation going to filter out? If they can decide on roles sooner than later, I think it probably will help in terms of getting traction and being effective and getting to the point where you're playing instead of thinking
0: in a brand-new playbook. You look at the growing pains of quarterbacks in new systems. How about you look back to 2013 – Bruce Arians, Carson Palmer, and how bad Carson looked that first half of the season to the point where we're getting phone calls post-game that perhaps Drew Stanton should step in and Palmer should be on the bench. And I've heard you time and again, Paul, reference that. Whether it was the quarterback or the pass catchers, not on the same page, but they worked it out and mistakes are going to be made. You just hope that they're made now in training camp and preseason, not in September and October. The intel I got later
1: on that was that it was primarily the fault of the receivers because it was such a different scheme for the receivers. There were so many read routes that Carson would read it correctly, what the coverage presented, would then dictate what a receiver is supposed to do. The receivers who didn't have the acumen of the polished NFL quarterback and reading defenses were running the wrong routes. So the ball was going to the wrong spot and the ball was being picked off. But would Carson come out to the post-game press conference and put the blame, the culpability on the receivers? Absolutely not. So we found out later that it was much more the receiver's fault than the quarterback's fault. But once they ironed that out about midway through the season, they took off and, you know, you saw what the offense was designed to be. How long is that going to take? In some ways, I think the fact that Colt McCoy is there for the beginning of this season, and we, my gut feeling is it is going to be the beginning of the season. We'll see when Kyler shows up. But he didn't give any... Solid indication that he's a certainty for week one. So until we hear otherwise, I'm going with Colt McCoy as a starter at Washington. And because he has run a very similar scheme like this before, basically has run it all, seen it all at this point, 14th season, I think that is a bit of a benefit for the rest of the offense. Does he have the skill set of a Kyler Murray? Does he present some of the uh, conundrums and headaches to a defense that a Kyler Murray does? Absolutely not. But in terms of actually executing the offense, and running things and making sure guys are going to be in the right spots and guys in the huddle who have questions because you know that's going to come up on game day in the heat of the moment when an opposing defensive coordinator is dialing up stuff you never expected. uh, That's where I think it will be ultra valuable to have the experience of a Colt McCoy.
0: Put it this way, when mistakes are made, whether here in training camp or in the regular season, because it's Colt and his knowledge of the game, lean more towards it not being the quarterback's Fault until told otherwise, based again off past history that we know as Cardinal fans and whoever's been under center, because the quarterback will always take the blame and deflect the praise. So just because Colt didn't have a great day on Saturday, maybe it's not just Colt McCoy. And you know what?
1: I don't expect it to be nearly as intricate as what the Cardinals just ran the last four years. I don't expect a lot of. Five wide, empty backfield, multiple guys in motion. Now, maybe, we'll see, but when my favorite quote of camp so far is Jonathan Gannon, Gannon, when asked about how much he looks forward to seeing James Conner run the ball, and said, oh, yeah, and James Conner does this, 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 and I can't wait until we cram the ball vertical. That's my favorite quote so far, cram the ball vertical. Um, Guess what? That just presents an element of simple football. Can you stop it? when Bruce Arians in that offense used to run 22 and 23 double 20 times a game. You know what's coming. Can you stop it? So if the Cardinals can get to that point and take some of the thinking out of it. You know, when the change was made and Michael Bidwell was on the Dave Pash podcast early in the offseason, one of the things he mentioned that was key, according to the new staff, was to take a little bit off the play to the quarterbacks. Perhaps there was just too much decision-making being required of the quarterbacks in the prior system. So we'll see how that goes. Drew Petzing is going to be a first-time play caller. But this scheme, and he mentioned it, the Kubiak style of offense. He mentioned it meeting the media that he had studied under uh, Gary Kubiak. And, And that goes back to Mike Shanahan. And it's very much where Kyle Shanahan has evolved that offense. So you're going to see a lot of elements. It's rooted a little bit in the West Coast, but it's rooted a lot in the power run game, different personnel sets, so I'm excited. I don't know how much of an indication we'll get in these preseason games because everybody keeps it vanilla, especially if you're a new staff. You're apt to keep that under wraps. But you get to week one at Washington, and uh, we're, got, we're all going to sound like Wolf Lake, <laughs> breaking down the personnel groups and what the offensive line sets look
0: like. Kyler Murray brought it up on Saturday. We heard from Drew Petzing on Monday use the word predictable. Do not want to be predictable on offense. Ding. And I do think this team is working towards not being predictable. We've seen flashes, two tight ends, three tight ends, a tight end in the backfield as a blocking back, dare I say, fullback. A lot more motion. And it's not just Rondell Moore. It's a Hollywood Brown when he is on the practice field. It's Zach Paschal. A lot more movement pre-snap. That was the big thing over the last four years that there was very little creativity and hardly any pre-snap motion. And, yes, being under center as well. Kyler asked about that. Looking forward to it. Want to establish the run. So much more you can do when you're under center as opposed to in the shotgun. You've talked to enough defensive players. They tell you half the playbook is slashed if you are out of the shotgun. And the play action. The play action, which is
1: so critical to that downfield passing attack, which was noticeably absent, especially last year. So if you can get a legitimate run game, and then you get a quarterback under center, guess what? You have play action at your disposal. And that's all you need. You get those inside linebackers to hesitate just a moment when they have to respect the run. And now all of a sudden that opens up the middle of the field. Like when a Zach Ertz gets healthy. So effective at operating in the middle of the field. Reading coverage. Finding that open spot. That's what I think of. So you're right, Craig. I think you're going to see a little bit. of We've seen it already. If you're a fan and you're really paying attention, you're coming out to Cardinals camp. And by the way, it's real easy. You just go to azcardinals.com. You get your digital ticket, free admission, free parking. Come on out to the open practices, check the schedule, and you can see it for yourself. A lot of different things being incorporated into this Cardinals offense. We've even seen the, a lot of the bootleg game, yep. getting the uh, half boots, full naked boots, getting that quarterback out on the run, into space, throwing on the run. Clayton Toon looks really comfortable in that sort of scheme. I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of that
0: in the preseason games. Going back to what Colt mentioned on Monday about the growing pains, and that plays into Kyler Murray as well. One of the interesting things that he brought up was a conversation that he had in the offseason with Joe Burrow at a recent UFC event, and the fact that Joe telling Kyler is like, yeah, the one, the one hurdle that he had to have, forget the physical, it's the mental, but being hesitant in the pocket. Not quite comfortable or quite 100% confident in the knee. What's it going to do? And then Kyle had brought it up. That first time stretching, he kind of had to have someone do it for him because he was scared. First time jumping, he was a little hesitant because he's not quite certain. Still confident, but it's no different than anyone else. You get behind the wheel after a speeding ticket or a traffic accident, You're a little bit more aware of everything else, and I think that's what Kyler Murray is going to deal with, and everyone deals with it a little bit differently. How quickly can he overcome that once he is back on the football field? That's a good analogy, right?
1: You're behind the wheel after an accident. Okay, yeah, uh, your head's definitely on a swivel. There's no doubt about it. Maybe you're a little more tentative or you're a little more calculated in how you, you drive to work that day. What I liked was that Kyler was brutally honest about all that. He wasn't trying to kid the media as to – he wasn't just – he he didn't call any of it insignificant. So I I think that's vital because there hasn't been a player that hasn't suffered a devastating season-ending knee injury, who hasn't felt all those same emotions, all those same apprehensions. It's natural. Joe Burrow went through it. Carson Palmer went through it a couple of times. He talked about it at length back in the day. Of course, Kyler's going to go through it. But the more aware you are of it, you can account for it. Drew Petsy mentioned in his press conference, of course there's going to be rust. At least everybody's dealing with it with a real, dose of reality as opposed to ignoring the obvious. So, okay, now you're trying to prepare for it accordingly. The challenge is going to be you're preparing for a game and then trying to get Kyler ready over the course of a game week. So there may, maybe there's an opportunity for some extra snaps here or there. But, look, if you can get a running game going, and you can get him under center. I vividly remember Joe Burrow talking when he first came back, and he played 16 games that season. They had the playoff run. But I remember him talking in the playoffs. He didn't feel 100% till almost December. And so he had to change his game a little bit. He was getting the ball out a little quicker. He was – they did – have much more of a run game and try to take some of the responsibility off Burrow. So don't be surprised. A lot of those same elements are in the game plan when Kyler Murray comes back.
0: It was a very honest Kyler Murray on Saturday. No false promises, not making any statements or declaring, yes, I'll plan to be ready X week. Just this is going to take time, and when I know I'm ready, I'll let everyone else know that I'm ready, and that's when you can start getting the ball going i will be surprised, though, if we see Kyler Murray on the football field in training camp here at State Farm Stadium. Yeah,
1: he mentioned right after the injury, he called it two weeks of hell. Yeah. So you realize just how significant the knee injury was physically, not only the ACL but the meniscus, but mentally for a guy who had never been carted off a field in his football career, as his dad explained on flight Plan. So, uh, yeah, he, he met every single question. He didn't deflect. You know, and then he was asked about the monotony of rehab and Kyler said, look, it hasn't been challenging. I get to do what I love every day. And for me, it's about getting back to who I was and playing at an even higher level. So would it be shocking to discover that all of a sudden Kyler has a new appreciation for the sport that was taken away from him for the very first time? I wouldn't be shocked. I think that'd be a natural human reaction. So maybe now he values what he does for a living even more and From all accounts, and I've talked to a number of people on the sideline, it's legit, he was there virtually every single day of the offseason. He is fully invested in the rehab and his recovery and returning to the point where he was the first half of 2021 where he was considered a legitimate MVP candidate and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
0: It is Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The pads come on Tuesday the first day of August, a couple of notes from Monday's practice. We were hinted that there would be some offensive line shuffling. JG likes the versatility at the line of scrimmage. First team offensive line has not changed. Left to right, D.J. Humphreys, Dennis Daly, Yelda Froholt, Will Hernandez, and Paris Johnson. Second team offensive line, though, there has been a swap between left and right tackles. Kelvin Beecham now playing left tackle. Josh Jones now playing right tackle. That versatility, and can you keep four tackles on this final 53? But if you can find someone who can play both sides, which Beach has done and done very well, plus in a pinch play inside, that makes you more valuable to the team. That right there might be more about a Josh Jones than a Kelvin Beachum.
1: You saw Kelvin Beachum the last couple years play right tackle. Ding, check that box. According to Cullen Beecham, he's an even better left tackle. That's what he did for a lot of his early career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you saw him take over that role in a pinch the end of last season, and he played very well, and he looked very comfortable. Josh Jones played quite a bit last year, obviously, for D.J. Humphrey's a left tackle. Can he play the right tackle, Josh Jones? Can he play the right side, period? Because he's always talked about how much more comfortable he is on the left side of the offensive line. That's what he played all his years at Houston in college. So maybe that. I'll say this when it comes to that second team offensive line, Craig Everett, a lot of good things from some of the talent evaluators about how John Gaines has showed so far in camp. Now we've yet to get into pads, so you really don't know anything about the lineman offensive or defense, but John Gaines for a rookie apparently has been very adept in the playbook, making the calls. He's really earning the trust of the coaching staff so far. So, that's interesting. How is center going to play out? Yelda Frohold has been your starter ever since he was signed, but he only has four games of experience Correct. at center. John Gaines, unbelievable measurables, yeah, really athletic, a lot to like there, totally inexperienced at to the NFL level. And then you get to a Pat Elfline who's up to, to uh, the third string yeah, third center. String center, and he's the guy with 40 career starts at center and another two dozen at guard. So here's a guy who really knows what he's looking at. That is among the better battles,
0: I think, position battles in this camp. Trying to find depth at the offensive line because if Elfline moves from fifth-string center now to third-string and what happens with Hayden Howerton, who was your third-string center, well, now he's playing on the left side at left guard. And you've got more movement because Lasita Smith – Who's getting snaps at center is now getting worked in at right guard. So that versatility, I don't know if we'll see much movement amongst those first five offensive linemen, your first unit, but that second and third, there might be more shuffling to figure out who's the best 10 or 11, however many we keep, because we are solid left to right. But if there is some movement underneath, behind them, then we could see maybe Elf Line. That would be the one name to keep an eye on, can he keep moving up that depth chart to where he is your week one starter at center?
1: Give me a name or two you really want to see in full pads because I would put Paris Johnson Jr. right up there. It was back together Saturday. They were down on the subfield, down below the main field, and they went against – they set up the uh, blocking sled and the tenacity and velocity with which Paris Johnson Jr. hit that sled at full speed, I was like, Oh, boy, he is a large man. And as athletic and just a mean streak he showed, just going through the drills, I'm like, I cannot wait to see him O-line, D-line and what he looks like. So that's one guy. Obviously, they're counting on him, number six pick overall. But, you know, his mom even said on draft day, he's a gentle giant until you put him in a football uniform. And then he's a totally different human being. I'll
0: give you two on the defensive side. One, Zaven Collins. It is different when you're inside the box versus rushing from the outside? How does he handle himself a little bit more physical? And then Cameron Thomas. I think Mm. this is a big year for him, year two, Right now he is that second line edge rush. It's Zavin Collins, Dennis Gardeck, and then Cameron Thomas. But can he make a move up that ladder as well? I'd even include my Jay Sanders, but we still see him on the sideline. Now he's got a little bit of a soft cast on his right hand. He has not practiced since leaving practice early on July 27th. But I'm interested to see what kind of bull rush those guys working with Robert Rodriguez can give the offensive line because – You don't have a pass rush. I don't know about this defense.
1: Yeah, No doubt. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Zayvon Collins, no question you're looking at him. I'm also going to throw out Dante Stills, the D lineman from West Virginia. He looks so athletic in the offseason, in the mini camps, in the rookie camps. I'm curious what he's going to look like against some of these experienced interior offensive linemen. You're going to get a real sense of of what – because – Dante Stoles is a true three technique, and you don't have a lot of that on this squad, on this roster. He sort of brings a different element as a defensive lineman, and if he can somehow be an athletic guy who can get upfield, then that's something the Cardinals don't really have. That defensive line room and the cornerback room is so wide open right now from all accounts. It's Marco Wilson and – and then in the D-line room, uh, to me, you've got about eight to ten guys who are pretty evenly – matched up, sized up in terms of capabilities. And so uh, there is a lot to be decided. I mean, those guys are going to have to come out there, and they need to be hell-bent on distinguishing themselves from the masses.
0: L.J. Collier, Kevin Strong, and Carlos Watkins, those three new, new- newcomers to the defensive line right now, they're the, the second line of rotation, if you will, behind Richard Lawrence, Lucky Fotu, and Jonathan Ledbetter. But those newcomers that this new front office brought in, to compete what do they look like with the pads on and can you find that interior push quickest way to get to the quarterback is a straight line is who's to at an angle can that be Lecky Fotu? can that be kevin strong or a dante stills or a jacob slade the undrafted kid out of michigan state someone anyone raise your hand and say yeah i want that job and, and we still have our eye on number nine isaiah simmons Deep center
1: field safety. Okay. Is, is that his new spot? Is that what he has to master first before he's given opportunities elsewhere? Do they still have designs on playing him in the box? Are there different schemes and situations where, okay, situational football, he's in on a certain unit? Curious. Curious to see. When you get 11 on 11 and it's full contact, full pads, where exactly is he playing? How much is he playing? So there's there's a lot of eyes in him. And then when you want to, if you want to number a guy you probably maybe never heard of, or I say 78, you're like, wait a minute, who? And you're going to your – Marquise Hayes, because when the pads came on last year, you talk about a mean streak. This guy's running second team right guard, massive human being out of Oklahoma, 6'5", 318 listed at. And let's just say that you had no idea who he was last year until the physicality started. And when you talk about O-line, D-line, and they finally distinguish themselves and you figure out who's a football player and who isn't, Marquise Hayes is that guy.
0: If he did not hurt his knee late in training camp, he would have made the roster, and I think made an impact because he was that noticeable during practice. And offensive linemen typically don't really stand out, but the size and pushing the guy in front of him back on their heels and then, of course, that extra edge to get under the skin of that lineman or linebacker. He'll just tell you,
1: I'm finishing. I'm just finishing the block. I'm just finishing to the echo of the whistle, and then all of a sudden, yeah, there's somebody separating you and the defensive lineman. Think about how much playing time he could have got last year if it wasn't for that late camp injury on a team that started 10 different offensive line combinations over the course of 2022. So let's see. Let's see because – I agree with you. I think he would have been a factor all season long because there would have been so many opportunities to get so many snaps in the face of all those
0: injuries. I'll leave you with this. Paul, good friend, former Arizona Cardinal. Not sure if he's really retired yet or not, but certainly living life. Got a brand-new baby on the way. Justin Pugh on Sunday tweeted the following, I don't want any O-line, D-line training camp updates until pads come on. Thank you! Exclamation point.
1: See, there's a guy who knows, a guy who's been there and done that, a guy who uh, likes to have fun with some of the analytics because what do they know about offensive line play and how can they assess and grade someone in the offensive line when you don't know the offensive lineman's uh, assignment on that play. So, yes, he keeps it real, extremely real. There's no doubt about it, Justin Pugh. um, And he's right. He's absolutely right. There have been plenty of players we were high on in the offseason, and then once you got to the first full padded practice, you're like, oh, boy. That player's getting dominated physically. Let me readjust. Uh, Can I take back what I said in the offseason? So, uh, my hand's way up in the air on this one. There's those of us who have been guilty as charged of reading too much into a player before they put on the full pass. Yeah,
0: first padded practice on Tuesday, August 1st. Want to come out to State Farm Stadium, Cardinals training camp, powered by Cox, all the details on azcardinals.com. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.